interestingly enough, this man comes down the road after the, Jesus told him, you go your way. I mean, he decides to be in faith. He doesn't need to see anything at this point. And we see him on, on, on a different path from this point forward. He's, he's convinced in his heart. He believed that Jesus was the healer, but now he believes Jesus has healed. And when we are going to be in faith, if we're really ever going to have anything that God really wants for us, then we're going to have to come to a point where we absolutely believe that what God's word says is the final answer. Not one of the answers. It's not one of the answers to our life. And the devil likes to get us to, to, to bow in our standards and to relax ourselves. You know, this is why I specifically talked about alcohol this morning. And I realized it wasn't a popular conversation, but how many people bury their problems within a bottle? You know, they're feeling bad, they're having problems, and they sit down and to solve their, their, their dilemma so that they can just have a little peace and a little, a little bit of time away so that your mind doesn't think, they've gone to something that, that is a mind-altering substance, so to speak. I would rather you didn't do that. I would rather instead of going and sitting down at the bar with your friends and having a drink that you would come in and say, how about we have a prayer meeting? Amen. How many believe that the fervent effectual prayers of righteous men and women avail much? I think it's going to do more than the temporary solution that comes from a bottle. Somebody say amen. amen. And that's why I said that. I didn't say that today so somebody could feel condemned because they took a drink or had a bottle of beer in their, uh, uh, in their refrigerator. I said that today because there's a better alternative. There's a better way. Jesus says don't be drunk as, as some other, others are. Don't do that. Don't be, don't, be not drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. See, the devil would love nothing more than to get us into the problem, get our eyes on the problem. That's where this man, he was looking at the problem. All he could see was the problem. When he came to Jesus, he needed a, a cure. And if Jesus would just come and Jesus said, you know, you don't have enough faith. No, you got to come right now. We feel that we were in desperate times. Jesus, you got to come right now. What if the man had, had turned away at that moment? He would have missed out on God's blessing. You can't turn away. This is the time to press in. When things are at their worst is not the time to turn away. The devil brings things to bear in our life. And he challenges us with things. And the situation will look worse. Because here's the thing. How long are we willing to stay in it, in faith, and work our faith? How many obstacles or adversities are we willing to endure when we see nothing? And that's a difficult thing. When you pray and you believe God for a healing, but nothing changes. I mean, I remember my, sore, my arm was just sore. My challenge to my arm, I just had a sore arm. It, was, it felt like something was wrong. There was, it wasn't working correctly. I couldn't, I couldn't even hold this iPad. I'm not, I mean, I'm not making this up. The weight of this iPad would have been too much for me to hold. The pain would have been so great. I couldn't, couldn't do anything with it. And I kept believing, kept believing. I remember standing, and I went to talk to my pastor about this. And I said to him, I've got a problem. I believe I've got a, he's asking me, what's wrong with you? I said, Pastor, I've got a real problem with my arm. And, and, and that night, I remember in the meeting, the evangelist began to say, move something. And I, man, I started, I, you, you've never seen a guy move his arm so feverishly as I did that night. I never stopped the whole night long. It didn't matter how long the service lasted. I, I can't remember uh, uh, how, how many hours it was, but it was several hours that I kept raising my hand and I kept working my arm. When I came home the next day, I had a big wart under my arm that had grown out and looked like a cancerous growth under my arm. 
But, but, I mean, at that moment, the devil had come. You see, if, if there is a place that you're willing to jump off, somebody would say this about their marriage. Maybe let's talk about your marriage. Somebody say, you know, if it's like this another week, if it's like this another month, well, I'm done. I can't, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to put up with that another month. Well, if I was the devil, I'd just keep harassing you for another month. I mean, if I knew that I could get you to quit tithing, if, if, if I could just harass you, if you said, well, if it's like this another month, if I got to deal with this another month, well, I just quit. I'm not going to do this. Then if I was the devil, I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't stop for another month. How about, what do you, you understand what I'm saying? The devil will come and attack you in the, in the places of vulnerability. And what he tries to do is to change what you believe. He tries to change what you believe. But we have to believe without sight because faith is the substance of the thing that I hope for and the evidence of a thing that I can't see. When I am in faith, there will be an evidence that has nothing to do with what I see. Somebody ought to shout out amen right there. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There has to be. How long will I wait? And most of the time, I've, I've seen this to be the case. Most of the time. I have a man right now that I'm dealing with that is, was on the precipice. I'd sat with my wife several weeks back and talked to her about this man and what I saw we could do with this man, the opportunities for this man. And he disappeared from my, from my relationship, from my relationship with Now remember, I got two campuses. Doesn't mean I'm talking about this one. I don't need to go into who it is, but don't be assuming you know who it is because you didn't see so-and-so at church. I have two campuses that I preach at, and there's two types of people, and there's a do dozens of people in both these places, and I don't need to tell you where they're at and who they are because this goes out over the Internet. But I wanted to have a relationship with this man. I wanted to have something with him and talk to my wife consistently about this man and how we're going to use him. And then, and then it was over. It was like it just ended. Well, from that point forward, I know that man missed it by a day. He missed it by a day. By one day, how many breakthroughs in our lives, reality, how many breakthroughs in our lives have been missed by an hour or a day? I, I don't know. I wonder. I really wonder sometimes when we, when we make a decision, when we're right there. And I would assume if I was the devil that right before your breakthrough, because he heard me talking to my wife in the house. That right before that man's breakthrough, right before he had inherited the promise of God, right before his dreams were fulfilled, the devil said, I better get him right now. I better go after it right now. I better attack it right now. I better do the best that I can to get him discouraged and, and get him off the path because this he's right there at the breaking point. He's right there. And the devil also heard his conversations at home. Well, it's just not working out the way it ought to work out. Things are just not happening. You know, if it's like this one more week. Oh, I'm preaching real good. You know, because we get at home and we say these things and we get with our friends and we say these things. If, if, I, if it don't pick up, if things don't pick up this week, if things don't turn around this week, and especially in financial things, think about what, how many times in financial things we've said the same thing. If it don't pick up this week. And so we have to realize that if I was the devil, and if you were the devil, you'd do the same thing. You would come and try your best that at the very instant. That's why Jesus had to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray. He didn't go get in the, in, in, at the bar. Somebody ought to shout amen right there. You know, if wine was the solution and what he did was wine, that's been where he'd been, right? 
That isn't the solution. He got in the prayer closet. He went and got in the presence of the Father God until he could face the challenge. And what if he had walked away? Then we wouldn't have had salvation. No, he had to endure. The Bible says that he endured afflictions like we did. The Bible says he was tempted at all points. He was tempted to not go on that cross. I promise you. Somebody say amen. He went to the desert and fasted 40 days because he knew that the tempter would come to try and dismantle the word from God that was in him. Think about what I just said. I mean, when you go to get a challenge of healing and you're standing and all you can do is having done all to stand, stand. How many have ever been there? How many are there right now? Somebody raise your hand. I assure you in my own life, I'm standing. Don't think you're alone here. I preach messages that help me as much as they help you. Matter of fact, sometimes I preach them just for me. Amen. It's the truth. Because the devil comes and beats on you and he beats on your family and he beats on your money and he beats on your house. He's the accuser of the brethren. He reminds you of your past. You just need to remind him about his future. Glory to God. Just remind him where he's going. He's a defeated foe and you don't have to take nothing from the devil. Somebody say amen. So how do we get there? How do we get to that place? See, the only way you're going to get your mountain cast into the sea, the only way that you're going to make it through the obstacles is to believe even if you never see. <laughs> I mean, it, is, it, be, it has to become a reality to the believer that even if I never see it, can you imagine how could the devil attack somebody? How could the devil dispose of your faith if your faith is so intact that even if you never saw it? See, when I deal with people, I, I, I went on Saturday. I think it was Saturday. It was this Friday or Saturday, my day off, and a, a young lady in our church, just a young lady, her, father, her mother had passed. And Amy and I just have a real heart for this young girl. And we just felt led because she, she just, just lost her mother, and I don't know, I just had it in my heart to go. And so I got in the car, and Amy and I took her and her father out to lunch. Uh, her, her mother had passed that night and we took her out because I know it's just terrible when you've lost your family member to be at home in the midst of something like that and so we took her out to lunch and, and as we were talking to her I, I was able to say to her what I would say to you even though see if, if your faith is intact even though you didn't see it on this side of the river it happened on the other one Amen. oh my lord y'all didn't get that what does it matter whether we ever see it or not we need to believe whether we see or not I mean, I mean, if we lose on this side, we win on that side. If we lose on this side, bless God, we win on that side. I got to fasting for three days last week. I decided to fast and pray. And I've been doing this right along. And for the last few weeks, I just fasted at least one day a week. And I fasted three days last week. I don't know what I'm going to do this week. I might fast three days again. It was so heavenly, I didn't think I was going to quit. I was so excited. I mean, I had such a great three days. My wife would tell you, I just didn't even think I wanted to quit. I didn't even want y'all to try fasting. Y'all need to fast. I mean, that first day is hell on earth. Somebody say amen. Anybody ever fast? Come on, raise your hand. That first day, you, oh, my Lord, you'd just eat the sink if you could, you know. I mean, it's just as awful as it can be, just terrible. The second day was bliss. It was just bliss. I was so kind. The third day, nobody wanted to be around me. Everybody was, you know, I, I had to write a bunch of apologies, you know. I mean, you know, but, uh, but I'll tell you, on day four, right as I was entering day four, I felt like I could just, I had taken flight. I didn't feel like I needed to quit. My body was great. And so, uh, you know, during this fast, uh, at one point uh, around the third day, I got to be honest with you, I got all faint. You know, and I, my heart started palpitating and I started feeling sick. And, and, uh, and, and at one point the devil said, you're going to die. 
Come on, y'all have had the devil tell you. You get a little sore and the Bible says, you know, the devil will come along, you get a little, your heart start beating faint. He says, you're having a heart attack. You know, you get a, a sore in your arm, you know, it starts hurting. You're getting cancer. Well, that's what he does, isn't it? He tries to fake us out. He goes about like a roaring lion. So the devil said to me, he said, said, you're dying. And I thought about that. I actually thought maybe I'm dying. And you know what happened? I said, well, if I do die, devil, here's the deal. I'm going to heaven. I thought, who cares? I'm going to keep on fasting. It don't matter. If fasting kills me, then at least it killed me going to heaven. Somebody say amen. I mean, I didn't care. You've got to come to a point that you don't care. That your faith is so intact that, it's, that you're not going to be buffeted and moved from the intent of God. Pull yourself back in the house of God. Pull yourself back into the things of God. Pull yourself into hearing and 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 hearing. And you know, let me tell you something. Self-talk is the best hearing. Your discussion about God, your talking about God, and your reading the scriptures is the greatest level of faith you're ever going to receive. Self-talk. That's why you can't be allowing other things to be the source of your life. Don't go to no bar. Go to the Word. Oh, I wish somebody would shout amen. amen. Turn over to James chapter 1, verse 2. James 1, 2. I got to quit soon, real soon. My brethren, count it all joy. Now, this is an interesting scripture. I like this. Count it all joy. I like this because it says that comes first. It doesn't come after. You see, this is dealing with the same principle that I'm talking about, not being able to see but believe anyway. Counting it all joy no matter what. You are to count it joy before the diverse temptator and the temptation comes. Count it all joy. That's first. I mean, you're already in joy before the problem arrives. And when it comes, you're in joy. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, this really means the trying of your faith means any adversity or adversity of any sort, of any kind. And, and that it's knowing that the trying here is not about you, but about your faith. It's about where your faith is. The devil will come. You've got marriage issues. Let's just say there's a marriage problem. Let's just say that's your issue. The, tempta- the temptation there comes from the devil trying to show you that it isn't working. How can you count? You've got to count it all joy, no matter what the adversity is that comes to, to, to try and dismantle what you were believing God for. See, if, 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 the, devil, if, if the devil can ever get you to come to the point that you'll change your mind, then, then, then you are going to lose. Don't ever confess your limit. Don't ever confess, oh, if I, that's a mouthful. If I was going to write anything down tonight, I would write that down. Don't ever confess your limit. You see, I'm going to believe for my son until I go to heaven. How about you, Brother Timothy? Are, are you willing to, what point would you give up on them? Not, no way, not, not ever. If they got in jail, you would stand in faith for them. If they were drug addicts, you would stand in faith for them. You would never confess a limit because in your heart they belong to you. They came from you. But see, faith has to be that way about everything that we deal with. 
what is the limit? I mean, think about it. You're not going to let go. That's the kind of faith that we've got to have. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. I don't care what they do. You're going to. There's no limit. There's no limit. There's no time limit on when you'd quit. Well, it's just been too bad. I just can't put up with that no more. I mean, you may have to separate yourself for a while, but it doesn't mean you gave up on them. Doesn't mean you quit. You're going to keep on going and keep on keeping on until you keep on, keep on, can't keep on. Somebody say amen. So don't ever expose your limit to the devil. Verse 13 after this says, don't even say it's the Lord. And one of the temptations we have to resist is to say that God did it or God was involved in it. God is never involved in adversity. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Nothing that we face that is negative came from God. God is always the solution. Don't ever allow the devil to pull you into that arena that God would be testing you, or this is just a trial of your life, or maybe it's your lot in life, or you deserved it. Folks, you don't deserve it. Jesus said you've been forgiven and washed with the blood of the Lamb, and he made you whole and righteous. Your righteousness is as filthy rags, but you have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Tell me, does he deserve it? Yes. And we work through him, we don't work through us. And know this, the devil is the one who came to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil came to destroy your marriage. The devil doesn't want us to be one flesh marriage. The devil would love nothing more than to bring adversity in a marriage to create two flesh instead of one. The one thing that we're working on, the Bible says that two flesh become one flesh. The one thing we're working on in marriage is that we get to the point that she means as much to me as I mean to myself. And I mean as much to her as she means to herself. Because I am her. Hallelujah. Somebody shout out amen. That's what I'm looking for. And you know something? God wants that for everybody. That's the will of God. See, faith begins where the will of God is known. Don't you let him deter you from what faith is. God said he wants you to be one flesh. Glory to God. Healthy in your body. Somebody say amen. amen. And what the devil does is come and bring pressure to bear. The pressure of the world. The pressure of the, of the challenges of life. He brings pressure. And why does he do this? Because he can't change your destiny unless he can change what you believe. The devil cannot change your destiny unless he can change what you believe. And pressure comes to change what you believe so that he can change your destiny. And if God has announced already that God wants you to become one flesh, that is the destiny that awaits us in a marriage. If God said, he pray, I pray your whole spirit, soul, body be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord, that is your destiny. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That is your destiny. That is where God has you going. And the devil will come to change what you believe. But if you just stand on the word of God, glory to God. I found this out. I, I, I mean, this is just the way. When Amy and I had trouble in our marriage, we tried to find people who didn't. That may sound like a simple comment, because the first year of marriage for us was not pretty. Woo! Oh, I know y'all had perfect marriages. That first year of marriage for Amy and I was a disaster. I, I, mean, I mean, at that time, I'll tell you what, if anybody was going to fail, it was going to be us. I'm just being honest with you. I mean, we were at the verge of, of failure. But I realized something. If I hung around other failures, 
it wasn't going to do nothing but encourage my failure. If I wanted to find out how to be a success, I needed to get around somebody who knew how to succeed. My parents were married 35 years until my dad went to be with the Lord. They only dated for two weeks and got married. I don't even think they knew each other's name, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> they danced for two weeks and got married. I mean, how crazy is that? My mother would roll over in her grave if she knew I was telling this story. But I mean, I mean the, 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 uh, for some reason, it got in their heart. There was no out. It's kind of like what Billy Graham's wife said. Somebody asked her, would you ever consider divorcing Billy Graham? She said, kill him, yes. Divorce him, never. <laughs> they, they had come to the point where there was no out. And, and, and I mean, I remember times when I, I came home one day and my dad was laying on the ground doing a f- belly flop. You know, it looked like he was in a seizure. My mother had hit him with a vacuum cleaner in the head. <laughs> my dad being the pastor, you just think that that would never happen. But man, you know, I've seen it all, y'all. I don't mind, I don't mind talking. They're dead now, so I can talk about them. Amen. <laughs> I love them. I'm not being disrespectful, but I found sometimes people need to find out their situation might not really be as bad as they had originally thought. I mean, I, I mean, my mom and dad went through some terrible things, really terrible things. But I was sitting there that day when they followed through on their faith to the point that when my dad went to be with the Lord, there was only three of us in the room. It was me, my sister, and my mother. She was there on the 35th year sitting by him and his bedside that day. Because her faith was intact. He certainly wasn't, but she was intact and her faith was intact. Now, if we're willing to stick the thing out. And I'm applying this to healing because I know how the devil does. Many people will get healed. You think he's going to stop trying to make you sick again? I mean, when you've had cancer before, you don't think that he's going to try and make the MRI come out? You don't think he's going to bring something back? You don't, think, you don't think you're going to hear. Because, see, I mean, there's all kinds of information that's going to be given to you about the drug that you're taking or the whatever. People have come through cancer, and the devil will come back, and something will show up, and, and, and he'll try to put fear. Because that's his voice. And we want to run from fear. You don't have to be afraid of the terror that flies by night. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. The Bible says that the enemy is defeated. The Bible says that he is our shield and our buckler. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of his devices. I don't have to be afraid of cancer and disease. I don't have to be afraid of it. Somebody shout out, I'm not afraid. So what is patience in this scripture talking about? What does it mean when it talks about patience? It means consistency or constancy. As a matter of fact, we need to be consistently constant in our faith. It needs to be stable. Faith cannot be wavering. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. If today I believe it and tomorrow I don't, I'm wavering. If today it's working out and I see my child come home and, and there's no beer cans in the car and, and, he, and he broke up with his girlfriend and I'm all excited because God's doing the work. But tomorrow they make up and there's beer falling out the car. I don't change my mind. God still worked it out. I still believe, don't you? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? I hope you're getting this. Your belief must remain constant. Faith cannot waver. The Bible says, take no thought for your life. We need to be constant in our speaking. Look at somebody and say, be constant with your mouth. Constant with your 
That's why you got to be careful. You get with a bunch of people who are all having problems because, you know, I mean, problems like problems. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You get in a depressed mode and you're having problems with your body or you're having problems with your marriage or your money. Oh, the devil will send a bunch of people that you can go hang out with and all cry in your soup. Oh, hallelujah. You, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. There's some, and there's some aunt or somebody that will be sympathizer. Amen. Come on. No, you need to find people that will help you keep your voice steady. That will help you keep your mind steady. Somebody say amen. Because your thought life has to be taken captive. The Bible says, pull down every vain imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. If God said I'm healed, everything else must be pulled down. If God said I'm to have a one flesh marriage, everything. Glory to God. Everything must be pulled down. And no thought we must take captive. The thoughts that come against what I know God said by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Pull down everything that disagrees. Woo! Man, I'm preaching good. My actions. I mean, you might need to go home and cook him dinner even though he was yelling at you. Now, the women are thinking, oh, I don't know about that now. I don't know about all that. But if I believe, then my actions must be consistent with my belief. They must stand the test of time. I gotta, and I've got to act that out whether I see it or don't see it. Whether there's one shred of evidence or no natural evidence at all. Because faith is the substance of a thing that I hope for. And it is an evidence of what I don't see. It has nothing to do with sight. As a matter of fact, it's, it's affected none by sight. How long will you stick it out? How long will you stay? Permanently. Nobody should be condemned because they didn't. People leave the planet every day prematurely. This lady went home at 58 years old. She believed God. She left prematurely. We don't have any wrong feelings towards her because she didn't make it to 85 or 100. Nor would we with a marriage that dysfunctional that to the point somebody decided to get out. But I tell you, I know this. I've come to realize she left the planet at 58 not because of God. Would you agree with that? Because Jesus said by his stripes we're here. She didn't leave because of God. That's why it says count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations for the working of your faith worketh patience. Now I like this because when patience has her perfect work, you will be entire wanting nothing. Oh, what a place. What, what a place that is. See, if, if I'm willing to patiently endure without the sight, then I can't like that man be on my way home. And as I'm coming home, the servants met him. And they said to him, your son was healed. And he said, when? And they said, at the seventh hour. He said, that was the very moment that I believed. That's right. Wow. That was the moment. Now, see, it wasn't the moment that Jesus came and touched him. It, wasn't the, it was the moment he believed. It was the moment he believed. 
Two different types of faith. When he got home, they believed because they saw the miracle. He believed without seeing, and that's why he saw. Oh, hallelujah. That was the moment he believed. So there's a place in our life that healing has been fulfilled. There's a place in our life that supernatural financial provision has been fulfilled. There's a place that marital happiness and bliss is fulfilled. There's a place where children serving God has been fulfilled. There's a place where peace and joy fully in our lives overgirding us has been fulfilled. There is a place called perfect and entire wanting nothing. When patience has her perfect work, see, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't walk away. Don't, 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 don't do it. How do I get there? How do I get there? By hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. He said, rejoice knowing this, that eventually, having consistently, uh, consistency in your believing system is going to produce a condition that every heart longs to be in. Perfect entire wanting nothing ask yourself this question this is my last statement where am I having problems with joy we're supposed to start with count it all joy what area in your life is joy a struggle where am I because that's where there is a deficiency in the steadfastness and consistency of your faith. If you can't count it all joy, then you have, you're, you're having to see something to believe something. If you can't have joy in an area, then it's because you're having to see something. It's not a no-sight area. You're looking at things. And so your joy is based on what you see. When sight doesn't matter, then joy will be there. <laughs> Man, I'm preaching good. What in my life am I having problems with joy? That is where I need to see something. To fix it. We simply need to hear and hear and hear and hear and self-talk and hear ourselves and hear ourselves until we believe, until our belief system trumps what we see.